0: Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ along with my co-host Reese Thomas. I'm Teresa Quinlan. We make up TNT. For those of you that don't know it's our name Thomas and Teresa. We're here to explode the status quo because this series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so we can start doing differently. One of the best personal descriptions of a guest that I've ever seen before is evangelist for heart-based leadership. And the word evangelist gives the impression of kindness mixed with passion, mixed with rock solid foundation and personal truth. So our guest today, Paul Howery, is a coach, mentor, an optimist, helps individuals and teams use belonging to crush the fear that stops us and keeps us stuck. Paul helps make aspirations happen. Welcome to TNT ESQ, Paul.
1: This is this is so cool to be here. I'm excited.
0: And excitement kicks off talking about obsessions and passions. And so what is yours?
1: <laughs> oh, I just got teased about it in a virtual happy hour. <laughs> one, of my, one of my longest, but actually he was one of the guys that was in the construction company that we started up with. He ended up leaving a year after me but I, because I always talk about tribe and belonging. And we'll be in something and I'll, I'll say something and, I'll get, and he'll just text me again or some other foul word at me because you're bringing it up again. And it really comes down to belonging for me. Professionally, for sure, when I was a teacher, I remember I, I graduated from Seattle City University one of the top schools for education on the West Coast for being a teacher. The amount of work we had to do for lesson planning and prepping for the classroom and everything was just crazy nuts. So, And I ended up before uh, graduating um, when I went to go teach, I had the full year of, of lesson plans written out with all the technical breakdowns of the levels of learning and how the learning builds on itself and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to teach at my old high school. So I'm kind of like, welcome back, Cotter. And I actually had the class with Sweathogs, which were people that had failed math twice and needed to pass it to graduate. <laughs> so I actually had all of that. And going in, it was almost immediate that I realized, wow, none of that work means anything unless mm. the students know I love them. Mm. And it was right then and there, it was like, they have to own each other's success, and I have to own theirs, and it has to become their space. And so it was one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, this is why the teacher that's so caught up in the control, this specific set of ideals for teaching, ends up in a state of frustration all the time. So I guess there's a self-preservation component too, you actually get to have fun, as opposed to go crazy with control issues. But upon realizing that that's really all that mattered at that point, because if they know you love them and you have their back, they'll return in kind and learn and have fun and enjoy. And they'll learn anything. Whereas you can have the best technical lesson plan set up in the world. And if they know that they're just a grade point to you, they're checked out, they don't care. Interesting, I I just got a very sweet Facebook post from one of my former students. She blasted out this thing about 25 things. It was the thing to get through this whole COVID stuff of, you know, I'm stuck at home. I'm gonna have a fun Facebook thing instead of a a dreary, you know, oh, this all sucks Facebook thing. She put out this really wonderful thing. Hi, Diane. And she wrote favorite teacher and and it was like, it was me. And I was like, oh, that was so nice.
0: Oh, amazing. (laughs)
1: But that was, that was the key. Um, I think right there, really realizing it. And then later on, I got hired away from teaching to be head of IT in a software company. And I was, I'm gonna take the same exact principle. This is about creating a fun, loving space to actually get to your best. It wasn't about the control, it was about inspiring people and getting them to a better place without also breaking, once you screw up IT, everything breaks and it kind of sucks. Yeah. So Wait, have, to
0: fix it, don't you just have to like unplug it and plug it back in?
1: It does work a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: By
1: the way, for all you people out there on Zoom, if you have a Mac and your video stops working, reboot your, <laughs> reboot your Mac and your Zoom should come back. That actually works all the time.
0: I mean, <laughs> An it. IT tip. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but then uh, the company went through a terrible uh, split uh, internally. It had a, almost a civil war going on there, and I was going to leave and then said hey I'd love to stay and work on it as instead of IT as the head of people and culture (laughs) and I carried that same thing and we kind of brought the company back together through a lot of pain it took probably two years but ended up being that place where when the customers came to the company they asked "Uh, can I work here
0: Mm.
1: and that's when you know you don't know if you're doing it right Because it's people and it's, it's, you have to work with people and that's, you know, that's what makes a company a company. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I knew it was right and it was the belonging thing. And remember, psychological safety came out at one point. Um, and psychological safety was, I was, like, I was like, oh, I love this concept. A Little while later though, I realized it falls short because psychological safety is a one-way consideration. And that's not where the relationships happen. The relationships happen in belonging, when you actually care about each other, when you're willing to learn for each other, when you're willing to do better for each other. Take, like a Navy SEAL team. Navy SEAL team, it's not about the mission over the team. It's team over the mission. They can call an audible and cancel the mission. The objective can be stopped because you shall not put the team back at that risk and they go into super high risk. Well, the same thing. If you create that space, you end up with just a, a beautiful thing. And that doesn't, that's not psychological safety. Psychological safety is, it's really important. You mean, because once we go into fear, we kind of suck. Um, there's no way around it. But to be in belonging, you ease that fear away. And you get yourselves to where your pooled strengths and talents and, and good stuff can carry you into that really great place of super high aspiration. That's my whole shtick with belonging. It, it takes you out of the bad place of fear, puts you maybe in the good place, and then puts you into where you can actually get to aspirations and make cool stuff really happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Because even though most of us aren't on missions where it's life and death, it can feel emotionally mm-hmm. like life and death.
1: Oh, yeah. When If you're worried about getting fired and you're, you're, yes. you're uh, I lose my job, I can't pay my rent or my mortgage, mm-hmm. that's life or death for the brain.
0: Or even just my worth, my reputation is at risk for some people. Oof, yeah, that can feel emotionally like life and death.
1: Because it is actually. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's the point where you're cast aside. You're you don't belong. You're the wanderer. That's why there are so many religious stories throughout the world about the wanderer, and and finding a place to land.
2: How do you create that space where people want to land? Like you, you talked about these, these steps that you took and you, you said, oh, I suddenly had this realisation that I just needed to show people that they meant something to me, that they mattered, uh, that I cared about them and they cared about me. And that was the magic, magic uh, key to unlocking the, the trust, the relationship, the connection, the belonging. We're recording this now. Hopefully by the time it comes out, let's be optimistic. People might be going back to the workplace and leaders are going to have a huge task to try to re-onboard these people back into their organization to reinforce that sense of belonging that maybe they've already spent years crafting, and cultivating, but even through the, the, the greatest care and consideration and connection and contact over this virtual period, it's going to have been affected in some way. So given your expertise in this area of belonging, how do you think or what do you think are some of the things that leaders listen to this this show Need to put it at the forefront of their mind to help reestablish that safe space, that belong as, as quickly as possible, and, and then go from there.
1: Uh, okay, the crazy thing is it's actually way more simple than it sounds, but it requires a lot more fortitude in the process as the leader. Because, I mean, I'm sure the leaders are sitting out there right now going, and they're going to be pulling people back that have been in that state. And so their brain cam and all that stuff is going to be in a, in a very fragile state. It's going to be habitually going to, oh, no, oh, no. They have to go into that with and, that and get into a, a state of where they have good patience. Because the only way you get that is you have to create belonging and you have to create a path for the shared belief to come back within that. And then when that comes through, now you have a true basis for accountability. And I, and I, and I'll give accountability a twist. Nobody, like I could never hold you guys accountable for anything. I could create negative consequences that might coerce you into going and getting something, a task completed.
0: And even but then I mean, I'm not sure I'd respond to negative consequences. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, I had
0: them as a kid and I still didn't them.
1: <laughs> right. So that's not accountability. That's manipulation. Accountability is where, hey, uh, Teresa, um, I'm not letting you down. That means I better learn this and I better deliver. That's accountability. and That's a vulnerable place where you have to go and you have to subject yourself. So the patience of getting into your organization, bringing them back, is to give them the space to belong. And those actions are just the elements of being human. Uh, questions about the whole person feeling, um, smiling, asking how they are what asking what they need getting them what they need because by the way if you ask and you don't do mm. you're setting somebody up for a complete violation of trust which it shatters a company belonging but then what it does is it creates pockets of belonging in the company and those become little rebellions quite often and and so instead of looking at them as bad as a leader look at them as how could i bring them back into the fold and then if somebody really won't come back in the fold, then they don't belong, and that's okay. And, and that's the part we have a problem with. We don't wanna let them go, we have such history. Maybe it's okay. It's setting those places where someone can actually say to the question, and I love this from Walt Brown. If, if the person can answer, yes, I belong, yes, I believe, and yes, I'm in control of my being accountable, can answer those three things there's there's like four more but those three things set somebody up for really good success Um, like in pink uh, pink's model for autonomy, autonomy mastery and purpose that's where somebody matters that's where somebody contributes and that control is in their space now how this ties in is by creating that that ability and giving that control and having the patience for it to actually transpire. In other words, hey, we're back in this. It's going to be great. You're going to be fine. And they're still like, oh, that's a hot stove. I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. You got to wait it out. You got to let it happen. And you can encourage that and help it. And then you can also make go back the other direction by trying to control it. So by putting it in there, now somebody believes and they're in and they're getting back into the game. And that builds on that whole process—a non-threatening approach to bringing people back in—and it's as hard because mm-hmm. the the executive, the founder, the owner of the company is like, "I've just been basically out of business for months. My home, my house, my dream has been at risk. And when we're at risk, the cortisol hits, and the brain, and everything else—it actually makes your brain kind of degrade and reinforces those uh, fight-flight patterns." And you're kind of screwed. So it really takes getting somebody, and this is where my buddy David would tease me, in a belonging space for you. And this is where coaches make Mm -hmm. a big difference in this because now you have somebody that you can go to in that deep, fearful moment and test and learn and test and learn and go, okay, I can do this. It's time for game day. I'm going in and I'm going to perform at the level that brings my whole team up that's the little space of belonging. So a leader can go to there and get that, then show up and then create the behavioral patterns that are in creating belonging. So I think creating, as you said earlier, versus, you know, it actually is a creation. When at a moment, when there's an anxiety and a fear and you can allow somebody to have that fear as a leader and show up and go, it's okay. I'm scared too. We're going to get through this though. That's when somebody goes, oh, and they can make it. So when you give that to somebody, you're changing the whole game and you're giving them the ability to go to the next higher level. So they go, you set it up, put it in place, make sure that you're doing things, just like look at software development. You've got an agile process and you do the behaviors and the timing that makes it work faster and better and quicker iterations. You're tracking those behaviors if you want to be able to measure them so that they work. Mm -hmm. You're tracking the outcomes. You have lead measures and lag measures. And then all of a sudden you're doing faster, better, and so on. Same thing in in creating a belonging culture in your company. There are behaviors that help it. They have to be genuine and really authentic because let's just face it, we're really good at seeing a fake. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And then you measure and you go with it and you set the plan that works for you. So like, if, if Reese has a company, he's got a set of strengths and abilities that are unique to him that give him his strategic advantage over anybody else who's not Reese. He's going to build a culture that actually follows his core values that he will never violate. Because once he has to live in that violation of those values, his conflict will spread to everybody else. Mm-hmm. But if he if he goes there to work within his strengths to formulate a plan that he can actually Work in and contribute with, and actually enable others. Now he's setting setting things up for really good success. People can say, "I belong here," which means now belief in that cause can get entrenched and be reinforced by the belonging. And now the stuff that goes on the outside to actually truly be accountable because you're accountable to somebody else, and that's that's what accountability is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Setting that pattern in place is what a leader can do, and it's it's all tied to them. They can't shirk that. They want if they want to shirk that, they should hire somebody else to be the executive, executive in the company, or hire somebody else to be head of people operations to do that culture stuff and make sure they let that go aside, so that that primary thing of building their tribe that will make their company dream happen happen.
0: No, yeah, really good stuff. So you mentioned this element of like, you can define what it is, the qualities and characteristics of what you need in leadership. And then there, like Marcus Buckingham says, you can't actually do that. If you ask people in a room, describe what makes a great leader, they're all (laughs) going to have different characteristics up on the board. So it becomes really hard to create this model. He suggests you figure out what makes a great follower in your company. And if you can define that, then you know the criteria your leadership needs, whether it be their core values or like they must have these at at the core of their values and their personality, and they probably shouldn't have these. So we know stuff that they can't have because that will derail them. And we know things that they need to have. And then all of this stuff up here is kind of fair game. If they have it or don't, that's fine. If they do great, it helps in this area. If they don't, we can teach them these kinds of things. But if they don't have these core and they definitely have these that we don't want, then it's not going to be a good fit. So my question is, how do you define it in an organization and then hire to fit all these people into it?
1: What I, what I appreciate about the model you just talked about is that it is more of the servant, it follows a servant leadership trend. Mm-hmm. which is to go and to look at your people to find out what actually will work with them. And it's, it is, and it's appealing in my soul to hear that more kind of democratic approach to it. However, there is a fact, and this will always be in every company. For example, you guys, and the way that you have set it up, there is an interplay and a charism, a, a gift that's involved that actually comes from you guys. And that's what makes your guys' podcast. It's not a thing about making your podcast about every single guest. It is a platform for maybe to help them share a story, but you guys are creating it. Same thing for a CEO and a founder. A founder has an idea, has a set of values that they're building a company, has a dream, the belief, there's the belonging component with the values that keeps you in the right behavior sets to make it work together. Otherwise, you don't belong, you have a schism, the company falls apart or divides into two. That's what happens. And so there is a stemming and a core of those values that has to come from that space. Um, if you don't, you have a leader who isn't owning that space. And that's where there's a tension that is always going to be in play, which is being the servant and finding out what is needed so that your followers or your tribe will stay in want and belonging in the tribe and, and stay intended and, and committed to that outcome. But it can't be ad hoc. It still has to have that core from that space of the creation of it. And, and companies sometimes go, look at Apple. Apple went into this miraculous good place of doing stuff, and then it kind of lost its way. And now mm-hmm. it's coming back. And, and I say it lost its way. It was this pinnacle of a certain thing. And that was, job. and I'm not trying to put jobs on a pedestal because I think it might have <laughs> been terrible to work for. <laughs> but he found a way to not be the terrible person in there, but put somebody into place to keep that vision and, hap- and stuff happening without creating such a caustic component in it. So mm-hmm. that way, that was a, ma- that was a really good, masterful way of self-awareness to not screw things up. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that <laughs> <Not> leadership, <yet. laughs> but yes. the, be- the belonging is defined between the people in the company. And, mm-hmm. and that means, You have to be individual, which means it's not about fit, it's about belonging. It means um, we may have different religious beliefs, we may have different ethnicity, a cultural background, but when we come together in tribal belonging, it's you and your whole you and that value as someone in the tribe together, and part of that membership is in the belief in in the common vision or mission to carry that out. So you have to define your leadership within your strengths and your strengths of your people versus where I would say you just defer to the people. In service, you defer to them. Mm-hmm. In strengths, everybody looks at everybody's strengths.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that, that, I hope that answered that.
0: Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> I, I hope the audience takes this line with them. It's not about fit. It's about belonging because way too often, I think the vernacular is we have to find the right fit. You
1: know? Oh God. Yes. That's and what then happens. we're
0: freeing them up because they're not the right fit.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, it's, and it's different. Fit is, fit is way different than belonging. hmm
2: Okay, so at the start, we were sort of tying up between two ideas. We've got the belonging, we've got the heart-based leadership. So as you're talking a lot about belonging, I mean, it comes to mind that which one comes first? I mean, it, is belonging the thing that drives the heart-based leadership, or is it the heart-based leadership that creates the belonging?
1: Which comes first? You know what? Uh, I think it's the belonging. Maybe a
0: piece here would be... When Paul and I chatted previously, you described Maslow's hierarchy and where, ah. the, where the belonging piece is. And that might, this might be a good element to introduce. Yeah, um,
1: that's funny. I was just going over that with somebody too. Okay. Maslow's hierarchy is the thing that drives me a little crazy. I agree with the principles of it, but they have belonging just sitting in the middle. The safety at the bottom mm-hmm. only happens in belonging. That's the reality. You can say someone's physically safe because they can sit here and nobody's gonna poke them with a stick or anything, but they're alone. For our brains, alone isn't safe. Primary one, guess what? You don't get to reproduce alone. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> we are not a single cell organism that just reproduces.
0: We can do other things alone, but we can't
2: reproduce
1: alone. <laughs> Check, Paul. <laughs>
0: Thank you for that lesson.
1: <laughs> the safety component actually happens when we're, when we're together. The movie, what's the one where Tom Hanks is on the island? Castaway. Castaway. He makes friends with a volleyball, Mm -hmm. Wilson. Wilson. Everybody needs a Wilson. You can't get away from needing a Wilson. There's no way around it because we're tribal. We survived the saber-toothed tiger because we could go, hmm, oh, if we are back to back, they don't want to approach me. Or, hey, ooh, guess what? Sharp sticks hurt. What if we take a bunch of sharp sticks and we pull them all together and we sharpen We can poke the tiger and, and keep them away. Oh, the tiger bled to death. Now we get to eat. That's the reality. It's couched in belonging. And so then belonging is the measure that actually sets it. Somebody starts a company. They're like, ah, I can't do this myself. I need somebody. And so they go get somebody. And then they do the parlay back and forth and this. And they're like, oh man, we're tight. I love your dream. I want to join. Now it's two people working on one dream. So then you get your next one is your esteem. Guess what? If you're by yourself, "Hmm, I feel great about myself. It matters for a little bit, but then it matters more when your spouse, significant other says, I love that about you. Hey, by the way, thanks, Teresa. (laughs) Belonging before the heart-based component and we're predisposed to being heart-based.
0: Yes, like when we come out and arrive, it's what we're looking for.
1: I I spoke at a culture conference uh, last November and one of my opening things is, When you walk into a room, great big conference, what was the first thing you did when you walked in the room? You looked for an affirming look, somebody you knew, a friendly face. Everybody does this. You can't avoid it uh, alone. You might do something really cool, but together we do some real amazing shit.
0: And so when you talk about one of the things that leaders need to do in their capacity to be patient to develop it is giving space for belonging is they know these things about the necessity of belonging. And so they make eye contact and smile when someone is coming into the room or coming into their space and they are giving them the body language they're giving them the auditory. They're giving them the communication that says you belong. They're not leaving it up to interpretation.
1: Or, or, or even the assumption. Yes. Was it yours? Or somebody put a post out that said, I was available to the leader. And uh, oh, So yes. if they wanted me, was that yours?
0: That was mine. Oh, right? my God. I, that was like,
1: uh bow for that.
0: <laughs> if um, you would- if you want time with me, go ahead and schedule it in my calendar. <laughs> right.
1: No, no, no,
2: no. Well, what's going on here?
0: <laughs> yeah, I had a post this past week on LinkedIn around when leaders pretend to be caring or they they say they have the intention of being caring and then they do something like, "Hey, if you would like to spend time with me, go ahead and schedule it in my calendar." And meanwhile, when you survey any employee, you would have heard that none of them schedule time because they're all interpreting that as if they really cared about me, they would schedule time with me.
1: Right, and it puts, and it puts the responsibility mm-hmm. away from the leader. That's actually what kind of drives me crazy on that.
2: Okay, so just to continue your thread there, um, I was thinking of something earlier. Traditional in this situation, we'll have an exit interview, and I saw a post a few months back someone said, Why don't we have a I can't remember what you called. It. Maybe it's like a "please stay" or "don't go." Like, like the last ditch effort to say, "We really value you. Don't go." Please. Do <laughs> After all, everything's happened, and the following, what you just said there—not for people to schedule time in your diary—you should schedule a, a welcome back interview. And like, so mm. as we as we close to the end here, we're trying to think what's a good hashtag takeaway moment for people who are listening to not just think differently but start doing differently. So, I had this, this idea that obviously when everyone goes back to work. There are going to be huge amounts of pressure, time pressure. Everyone will have the mindset that they need to hurry up, they need to get back on, they need to make up for all the time that they've lost. Mm. But really, what you're saying to me is they need to continue this, this more human phase that they've found during this pause and reintroduce that pause, maybe with a welcome back interview or whatever it might be, to help reaffirm their belonging, reaffirm the human touch or connection how would you sort of elaborate on that idea or feel free to interpose your own uh, idea? I feel like I answered my own question there, I apologize.
0: (laughs) How would you, oh, dude, welcome back interview. That was amazing.
1: No, I'm just gonna go. Yes.
2: Perfect,
1: (laughs) (laughs) hashtag
0: that. (laughs) It's,
1: It's just to go back to, go back into belonging first and have the patience to do it. Don't go back in to get caught up in the original rat race we were doing things perfectly for the results that we got. We shouldn't go back and do them the same way. (laughs) If we want to do things better, that we should realize what we found out was all the process, all the technology, all the rat race that we were doing, didn't meet certain needs and we found that out when all of a sudden that distraction wasn't there and then we yearned for making connections but I mean, when Zoom's value is worth more than the three top airlines i think we found something out <laughs> we have a need to belong and we forgot and now we've been reminded We can carry that back and create a space where we belong. That space where we belong is where we do our best for each other. We learn the most for each other. We don't let each other down. We embrace the failures and the successes because that's what actually changes the game. Otherwise, you're going back to the old control model and thinking there's some kind of external thing, an app, a technology, AI, something's going to make things better. And The only thing that makes people better is people together.
2: Thank you so much. So how can people get in touch with you, Paul, to find out more and discover what you're going to be up to
1: soon? I have my my blog website, which is heartbasedleading.com. Paulhowry.com also points to it. Uh, LinkedIn is paul-howry. Twitter is at Howry, And email is paul at heartbasedleading.com.
0: Man, I like it simple.
2: We come to the end of our show here with the rapid fire Q&A, 10 statements. Right. Uh, right. interpret them as suits you. There may or may not be consequences, depending on what your answer might be. So, you know, <laughs> be, be prepared. Um, are you ready?
1: Uh, all right, go. Bring it.
2: <laughs> Number one, manager or leader? Oh, leader. Number two, active or reactive?
1: Oh, active. Number what? three, black and white or gray? I actually want to go black and white. It is that simple sometimes. Okay, number four, optimist or realist? Oh, optimist. I'm doomed.
2: (laughs) Uh, Number five, Canada or England?
1: Canada's my neighbor. I got to stick with Canada.
2: Uh, Number six, heart or head? Heart. Number seven, empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Uh, Number eight, introvert or extrovert?
1: Hmm. Damn. You didn't give me the third option.
2: Ambivert. I'm,
1: I'm going to go with introvert then. Okay. Good stuff. Uh,
2: number line: logical or emotional? That oh. on? It's got to be. <laughs>
1: it's emotional. He's using an emoji.
2: <laughs> uh, Paul is wearing a t-shirt with Mr. Spock on his mobile phone with an emoji sign. And it's just, you know, no emotion, meh. flat line, whatever. Nah.
0: I think it's meh.
2: <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> uh, at number 10 innovation or process oh innovation awesome thank you very much i really appreciate you doing that and thank you again for sharing such uh, amazing wisdom and insights into the importance of belonging and its interconnection with heart-based leadership and basically continued success for all humanity
1: all i can say is thank you this was so much <laughs> fun to hang with you guys
2: We love to hear all of your feedback here on TNT ESQ, so if you've enjoyed this show, you've learned something, you've been inspired, please share it with your friends, please rate the show, please write a review on whichever podcast uh, platform you enjoyed it on to help us spread the word, help more people think differently and more people start doing differently. Thank you.